The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We are going to talk Brewer importance rankings for the rest of the year. We're going to talk about Bobby Porter's hypotheticals and a PSA about the summer for Chuck's Corner. Uh, maybe a little uh, AmFam observations as well in the mix uh, as I went to the Brewer game on Sunday. But those will all be baked into today's show. Make sure you're following along on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter. Tapping the Keg Sports on Instagram, TikTok. We will likely be all over free agency stuff this weekend. The blog, I used to say the blog never sleeps. I don't write anymore. Uh, maybe I'll get back to it. I always talk about getting back to it. I never do. But the content game doesn't sleep. Uh, we'll make sure that we have stuff for you guys all weekend. Um, thankfully, I don't have any friends with lake houses or I don't go up north for the 4th of July. So I'm here just hanging out and I'll have content ready to go if the Bucks make any moves this weekend as free agency does kick off. Well, I'm sure I have reviews, all sorts of other fun fun stuff. So make sure you're following along. Rate, review. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, those are who are already subscribed, make sure that you are doing those things. If you're not subscribed, if you're coming in from TikTok, you're coming in from Instagram, make sure that you are subscribed. Uh, also, if you share with your friends. Tell, us, tell people about us. Tell them what we got going on. Um, this is the... Likely toughest part of the year, not going to lie, after free agency ends, like it is doldrums for two weeks. So we might spread it out a little bit, might do a little bit less. Um, But that decision will be made as we get, you know, into it and we think about what content we have available. It's always tough because like I do this thing, you know, Monday through Friday, um, one day a week, it's Mitch, Um, might be announcing something else in the mix as well. But that to me is where it's like, all right, if I wanted to take a step back and say like, all right, we're only going to do three or four shows for the next couple of weeks until training camp starts. Yeah, it's it definitely is possible, but you also feel like you miss out on things. I feel like there is a little bit of FOMO there. So it's a, I'll let you know. Um, if nothing else, maybe sh- little shorter shows, maybe just some different off the wall ideas. Um, that definitely the time is to do it is the next like three or four weeks. And then you get going in August and then it's like full st- full steam ahead. Baseball's wrapping up. You have the football season getting closer and closer. And then by September, it is all like, then it's really like hyperdrive. So we'll see what happens. I will tell you that we will have a podcast Friday recapping sort of that first day of free agency. If there isn't a lot of news that day and it should be knocked out to Saturday, we can do a Saturday pod. Um, and then planning to take Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, no, we'll do the show on Tuesday. For sure on Tuesday. We'll have a show Tuesday. And then uh, the rest of the week will be good. So look forward to that. I'm um, sorry that was a little bit of a long open. Uh, but let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers and importance rankings. So we've done importance rankings before. If you're new here, uh, it's kind of like what are the most important things for this team? Sometimes we do it for games itself. But we're going to look at the team itself for the rest of the year. The Brewers have been playing much better uh, to round out the month of June. Uh, they have a couple of games left. But the Brewers are 7-3 and three in their last 10 games, heading into two against Tampa, and then they will have one more against Pittsburgh to wrap up the month of June before we head into July. The Milwaukee Brewers are first in the NL Central. They are one game up on the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals would actually be their playoff opponent if the playoffs started today. Uh, the Cardinals have the last wild card spot. That is important, and we'll talk about that kind of in our honorable mention section. 
But the, the Brewers and Cardinals right now are in a battle for the NL Central. I mentioned, I think on Friday's show, that it's going to be a very, very tough finish to the year with the Brewers and Cardinals who will likely go back and forth throughout the throughout the summer. So, And they don't play till August. So it's really going to be dependent on the Brewers' performance. So to go back to importance and what matters the most right now for this Brewers team, and if we're thinking of the five things that matter the most for this Brewers team, number one is health. This team has to stay healthy. Um, it's been a frustration of mine. Uh, it's been something that I think the media has not done a good enough job pushing Craig Council on or David Stearns when they have him about why this team can't stay healthy. Because it's not like, hey, this guy broke a foot or this guy broke a finger or like what happened with Bryce Harper, right? He fractured his thumb. You know, those aren't things that are happening right now, right? What's happening are the Brewers are having soft tissue injuries. And when you're having soft tissue injuries, it makes me think that the strength and conditioning staff is not doing their job. Cole Long, calf injury a couple of days ago. Hunter Renfro, calf injury, now on the DL. So it's like, all right, we've had two calf injuries in the last two weeks. We've also had two guys who've had issues with their elbows or their arms. Uh, Aaron Ashby had forearm, forearm inflammation, which can be sometimes a sign of, oh, yeah, you need Tommy John. Then you had Miguel Sanchez, who had UCL discomfort, which is Tommy John, and probably not a good sign going forward for him. So what, what exactly are the Brewers doing to fix the health of this team because it's not just oh this is a injury prone or injury laden team these are soft tissue injuries that i think can be avoided so what what are the brewers thinking about and how are they doing it differently because this team has to stay healthy this team has to stay healthy for the remainder of the year and it would be nice if we could go at least two or three fucking weeks without having a key cog of the brewers getting hurt so brewers are now behind an outfielder you bring up guys like Pablo Reyes, who should not be a big leaguer. Like Pablo Reyes, I have no idea why he keeps getting brought up. I think because he's on the 40-man and things like that. But I think like the Brewers have better options than pa- Pablo Reyes. Like Joey Widmer has been awesome in Biloxi, uh, defensively especially. He has like 10 outfield assists. He's made a couple catches at the wall. Like why not, right? At this point, I realize service time, I get it, right? There are, there are reasons why you don't bring up those dudes. But at the same point, it's like, we know Pablo Reyes thinks. We might as well try something else that the Brewers have in Nashville or in Biloxi because he's, he's not the answer. And the Brewers just have to figure out a way to keep themselves, keep themselves healthy and not necessarily have another week of injuries. And I hope that the strength and conditioning staff is doing something. I hope that they get pressed a little bit more about why, what they're not doing, why you keep seeing these soft tissue stuff come up. Because it's one thing, again, to not to repeat myself, but it's like, if you if you break a foot, whatever, that's that is unfortunate, but that's it. Or you like Daniel Hudson towards ACL the other day. Now very serious injury. But again, if you tear your ACL, like that's you can't, how are you able to predict that, right? Like that's one of those things where I don't really consider that a soft tissue thing. But it's just frustrating. It's just frustrating that the Brewers have not been a model of consistency when it comes to health. And who knows, maybe this is the end of it and it all, water kind of finds its level and the Brewers you know, are healthy the rest of the way and they actually play really good baseball because they're fully healthy. And you see what this team looks like when they're fully healthy. Number two is Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer. 
Now the Brewers will get back Brandon Woodruff on Tuesday. Um, that likely means the end for Chichi Gonzalez. Um, I would imagine the Brewers will either DFA Chichi or they will look at you know maybe Trevor Kelly going down. Um, I hope it's Trevor Kelly. I don't think it will be. I think it will be uh, it'll be Chichi. But Brandon Woodruff will start on Tuesday. That's a huge bump for the Brewers. Means also that everybody sort of gets an extra day, right? Uh, I think that will bump. Who's scheduled to pitch? Hauser? Was it Hauser? No, Hauser pitched Friday. So who pitched the Wednesday? That was Lauer, right? Yeah, so Lauer, Lauer will get bumped back to Wednesday, and everybody kind of gets an extra day, which I think is great. Like, I think that is really a smart thing by the Brewers. Like, I, I think that makes a lot of sense to give everybody an extra day. Interested to see how Woodruff does against the Devil Rays. Definitely a team that is you know, a little more competent offensively. They haven't been playing entirely great, but they've been playing, they kind of at the same level of the Brewers. So yeah, everybody gets bumped back a day. Woodruff will pitch on Tuesday, then Lauer on Wednesday, and then Jason Alexander on Thursday now against Pittsburgh. Hauser will go on Friday. But the focus here is Hauser and Lauer because Hauser and Lauer have been really bad for the Brewers. And with Freddie Peralta's injury, you need at least one of those guys to be good. And you need one of those guys to show you that they can start, you know, game three of a playoff series. Now that you have Woodruff back, you would imagine Woodruff will be your number two starter the rest of the way. And then it's either Hauser or Lauer. And they, they've they been bad, but I, I think Lauer has a better shot to kind of bounce back. Because I think the, guy, the teams he's faced, he's faced a lot of lefty, lefty favorable teams, you know, in St. Louis. Washington has improved against lefties this year. I mean, they have guys like Nelson Cruz who just dominate left-handed pitching. Cincinnati, it's a bad ballpark. It was a hot day. You know, he still got the win. Like, that's the thing, right? Like, he still got the win. And St. Louis, it wasn't that, that the case. And he's given up eight home runs in three games. Now you get to play in Tampa. New Early start. You get a ballpark that definitely keeps homers in. So definitely a, a great opportunity for Lauer to sort of bounce back. I feel less confident about Adrian Hauser. It's like one big inning. I think he's he's trying a little bit too hard on the mound. I think he just needs a little bit of confidence heading into heading into the All Star break. And he'll have like so Lauer will pitch three times, you know, before the before the All Star break. So Lauer will have three three outings, barring any injury or anything else. Hauser will have two. Um, they both are, you know, kind of get rights, right? Like how Lauer will have, you know, Tampa, Chicago, Pittsburgh. Hauser will have Pittsburgh and Chicago. And I think the Brewers should get a good idea of what they need to do going forward with both those guys and to see if they need to make a move and need to make sort of a decision on either of those players. And not necessarily like put them to the bullpen, but look at do we need to make a trade? And you could probably at this point talk me into the Brewers need a third pitcher, you know, from a trade than they do, you know, an offensive bat. That sounds crazy. That's a hot take, right? But this team continues to struggle, you know, with the guys that are not named Corbin Burns. I think Kurt Hogg had it. Now, it's a little different uh, because they won without Lauer, uh, Jason Alexander or Corbin Burns, but... In the month of June, they're seven and two with Alexander and Burns, and three and eight with everybody else. Now I think they're four and eight, but the point remains that 
it's really been Alexander or Burns, and it's been a complete drop-off with everybody else. So you need to see improvement from Lauer and Hauser if you want to succeed you know, going forward. Number three is clutch hitting. I think we've talked a lot about clutch hitting and just the fact that the Brewers need to do a much better job with it. That They need to deliver when guys are on second and third, when guys are have one out. I mean, if you saw it on Sunday, like Sunday was the best case scenario for the Brewers, right? They were stealing bases. They were making sure that they were driving guys in with less than two outs. Um, you know, productive, right? Whether it's a ground ball to first base to drive in a run, or it's a sack fly, you know, or a home run that clears the bases. Like the Brewers were doing it all, and the Brewers deserve a lot of credit for how they, you know, how they played really Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. I felt like Saturday, you know, they jump on uh, Kikuchi, uh, and he's been bad, and he's he's not been good. You got to take advantage of bad pitching, right? And the Brewers did, even though they're not great against lefties, uh, they still did, and that's that's important. And hopefully. As you get more guys back and you do get healthy, that you'll have more opportunities for clutch hitting and that there'll be more guys who can deliver that big hit. But the Brewers have lacked it a lot this season, and I do think that they will slowly but surely get better in that spot because they need to deliver with runners in scoring position, and especially when the pitching staff isn't as good as it's been. And it's like, oh, well, we'll just rely on Woodruff, Burns, or Peralta to come through for us, and we don't need to have that clutch hit. That's kind of not the case anymore, unfortunately. Like that, that can't necessarily be the motto, at least for right now. You know, who knows? Maybe you know, maybe going forward, there will there will be that opportunity. But yeah, it's been it's been pretty ugly for the Brewers when it comes to runners on second and third. They're actually their OPS is 14th in the league, but when it comes to actually you know making contact and hits and things like that runners on second and third they've only have five hits actually with runners on second and third now that's not with runners in scoring position that's just that's actually a bad stat uh throw that out ignore that well okay so let's do scoring position here scoring position no we're not, no outs are considered the brewers only have 132 hits with runners in scoring position, that is 22nd in the league. Their average during that time is 255, which is 13th. That's not that's not terrible. And then strikeouts, actually not bad. 20 20th in strikeouts, which is okay, right? Like, and I don't need to read this all to you, but this is to me interesting stuff. Where I'm like, okay, it makes some of this makes a little bit of sense, but the Brewers haven't necessarily. Done, done the clutch hitting as well as I think we'd want them to do. So hopefully that gets better. Number four is middle relief. I think middle relief is going to get a lot better because you have Trevor Gott and you have Yandel Gustav back on the team. I think it was great for both of them to get low leverage situations yesterday. The Brewers in blowouts, both of them first game back. They don't necessarily have to be thrown in the fire of like a 2-1 game and the Brewers need a clean inning from both of them. I think both Gustav and Gott have, you know, qualities about him that I like. I think Gott's a little bit better. I at one point, you know, was making a case that Gott should have been the seventh inning guy over Brad Boxberger and then he sucked for two weeks. So he was like, well, maybe I was a little bit too high on him. But Gott should definitely be your sixth inning guy. And if you have Gott, Gustav, and Hobie Milner, that's a pretty good middle relief. Then you really only have to have Trevor Kelly for 
dire situations where some guy needs a rest. And if you have those three guys as the kind of the gap between Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, and Josh Hader, it's pretty good. Or just the gap between Williams and Hader, I get down with that. And I think the middle relief should be better here. And I think that should help the Brewers, you know, going forward um, and not necessarily give leads back or anything like that or have to worry that, you know, Trevor Kelly isn't going to be what we saw on Wednesday night. And I hate to rag on Trevor Kelly. I do feel like I have a brewer I pick on every year. And Trevor Kelly is that guy. He's just not a good pitcher. He just isn't. I know he pitched on Sunday at, you know, mop-up duty. Again, a low-leverage situation. But he just isn't a good pitcher. And he's not a big league pitcher. He won't get called down because I think Chi-Chi will be the guy that they outright instead of, you know, any sort of roster construction thing with Woodruff. But I, I just can't see... Trevor Kelly actually making a postseason roster. I'd be shocked. I think Trevor's on there, but as the as the you know summer goes on, I, I don't know. I think you could look at other guys, maybe Luke Barker, maybe Peter Strakowski. Like I feel like you have to, you know, see if there's other options than Trevor. Peter though wasn't that good either. So I don't know. I, I maybe the Brewers don't have necessarily the deep enough talent pool. And maybe it should be Ethan Small. Maybe Ethan Small should have go to the same class that Hauser, that Corbin Burns, that Brandon Woodruff went to where you're in relief for two or three innings. And maybe that's what you need to do for Ethan Small going forward. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I, I think the middle relief definitely is an important thing of how the Brewers you know, deliver the rest of the year. The last one is the Christian Yelich because of course it's Christian Yelich. Christian Yelich is always a topic for Brewer fans. Christian Yelich has, is never good enough, I think, for Brewers fans at this point because they always see that MVP year from him. He's been pretty good in the leadoff spot. He's batting around 300. His OBP is 400. He's taking a lot of walks in that position, You know, making it uncomfortable for pitchers facing whether it's Willie Domus or Rowdy Telez. Um, he's scoring runs. He's driving in runs when he gets that opportunity. He's very comfortable in that leadoff spot. And it's been a good move from Craig Council and Ozzie Timmons. They deserve a lot of credit for that. And I definitely think Christian Yelich will stay there the rest of the year. I don't think Christian Yelich will leave that leadoff spot. Now, would I love Christian Yelich to kind of be a homer threat where he could hit a homer every time up in that, that leadoff spot, whether it's Buxton or George Springer, who had a quiet weekend. But you've definitely seen that from Springer where he gets on a heater and every time he's up first, it could be a home run. Yeah, I'd like to see that a little bit more, but it's not necessarily something that I desperately need. I don't consider Yelich a home run hitter at this point. I think Yelich is a guy who I want on base. I want to be, you know, making sure that he's stealing. He's one of the best runners in baseball in terms of, all right, something gets hit to the gap, like watch him fly. Like I think Rowdy had the double, right? That drove him in uh, in the sixth inning. Like, and Yelich was on first, and he just flew. Like, he took off, and you're like, holy fuck. Maybe that was Adamus, actually. But anyways, Yelich, regardless, Yelich is awesome on the base paths. And I think the fact that you get him on early can really make things frustrating. And it it basically forces the pitcher to be on his A game right from the start. So I don't expect Christian Yelich to leave that throne I, I do like Colt Wong, but I think Colt Wong now is more like your sixth or seventh hitter. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think Colt Wong could be very productive in the lower part of the order when he's back healthy. I think they can have a really good lineup when they're fully healthy. When they have a really when they have a lineup that's fully healthy, it's 
It's pretty hard to beat, but they haven't been able to be fully healthy going back to our number one in the importance ranking. So yeah, that's what I have. Um, honorable mention, I had keeping pace. Um, I just think that the Brewers need to keep piling up wins given the fact the the race with the Cardinals, but also the NL, the NL is very competitive. The NL is not the American League. I think that the American League is one where that last wild card is probably going to be an 85 to 88 win team. I won't expect it to be somebody who's in the 90s. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find the last NL team without 92, 93 wins. So the Brewers need to keep pace, not even worry about the Cardinals, just worry about making sure that you're good enough that the Cardinals get hot and you kind of fall back, that you're able to still have a wild-card spot. And I think there are... I don't know. Right now, I would say they're probably eight to nine. Now, Philly, the Phillies just lost Bryce Harper, so maybe it's eight. Um, but the Giants are right there, and I think that's the that's the team that you have to worry about from a wild card perspective if you're not going to win the division. But hopefully, the Brewers win the division. Hopefully, they could try to push that second seed so they get a bye. Um, that's also important because yeah, I, I think Philly will drop off now with the Bryce Harper injury. They're 39-35 and only won yesterday. But I would imagine that you will see you will see a drop off when it comes to the when it comes to the Philadelphia Phillies and then that's really becomes an eight team race just overall. So and in terms of getting to that second seed from the Brewers, that would be they're still pretty far behind. There's still a lot of work to do. They are four back of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, so that's that's tough, right? Like they actually have a worse record than the Braves who are the third. So that's actually really funny here. So the Brewers right now are fifth overall in the National League. The Dodger, the Mets have a half game lead over the Dodgers for the best record in the National League. Then you have the Padres who are two and a half back of the Mets, but two back of the Dodgers. Then you have the Braves who are five back of the Mets and have a better record than the Brewers who are leading the NL Central. So that kind of speaks to how competitive the NL is and how good, and it might be those four teams as a tier above what the Brewers are. I would say right now they are. Um, but how, I guess, do you beat that tier and how do you sort of get back? Maybe a sandwich of the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Chicago Cubs would do the trick because you have 10 games against those teams and that's definitely a moment where you have to get fat especially because you after after that or to finish off the all-star break you have minnesota and san francisco where two two teams that you're going to have to have to have fights with that's going to be difficult task uh right after those games all right let's move on to basketball and talk about reports hypotheticals free agencies at the end of this week mitch and i will do a free agency primer think Wednesday. Uh, so we'll, we'll actually wait till the end of the week. Um, we thought about doing it earlier, um, but just as more information will come out as the week goes on, give us time to react. I think we'll have a pretty good idea. Maybe Bobby opts in and then we have a really good idea of, or he signs his deal and we, we know what's going to happen. Now it was funny. I had friends. Uh, we had a, actually a really good conversation. We were talking. We could have done a podcast yesterday from Nomad on sa- on Saturday. Uh, we were just shooting the shit about all things sports. And Murph and Mitch were both sort of wondering why we would give Bobby Portis four years for forty nine million dollars. Like, wow, that's a lot for Bobby Portis. It's the going rate, right? Like, I think that people need to understand that. I think if you like Bobby 
at whatever he's been making, he deserves to get paid. And yes, you could you do something funky with the contracts where it's a little more front-loaded and then it's an easy-to-move expiring? You don't see that as much in, in basketball. It's usually straight across. But you know maybe there's an opportunity there. Maybe there's an opportunity that it's more like a two-year deal with a player option for three or four. Or it's a player option for the fourth year or team option for that fourth year. But Bobby deserves to get paid. I think any team in basketball, honest to God, I think there are most teams in the NBA would give Bobby Portis that deal. If Bobby Portis was suddenly available and the Sixers could give that deal to Bobby or give the three-year 30 that they're talking about with B.J. Tucker, they would give it to Bobby Portis, all right? Like, I hope we all understand that. So I think, like, I understand it's a lot of money, but I think that's the going rate. I think you have to pay that to Bobby Portis, and Bobby deserves it. Bobby's been a vital part to this Bucks team. He's a vital part to the community. He was serving coffee at Colectivo. He was out at the sausage shop in West Dallas. Like, I don't think Bobby Portis is leaving. Like, I, I think, I know we're going to talk about, like, what happens if he doesn't. But I, I just want to, you know, level set with Bucks fans that four, four years, $49 million is not too much for Bobby Portis. All right? It really isn't. And if you think it is, I think you're kind of crazy. Like, I, I do. I think... I think that's a fair deal for a role player in the NBA. And the Bucs can afford it. They're more than willing to pay it. And if the Bucs don't, I think they're going to get killed by their fan base. I really do. But I I don't think that's happening. I don't think a guy who would do all this around the city of Milwaukee would be planning to leave. Um, That would be kind of crazy to me. It would be almost like, in a weird, I hate this term, but it'd almost be like gaslighting the fan base, right? Because you're like, why are you going to Colectivo? Why are you going to the sausage shop if you're just planning to fucking leave? Um, is it just like one last hurrah, one more victory lap, if you will? But yeah, I, I imagine Bobby will be back. If Bobby, for some reason, doesn't come back, I, I don't know where the Bucks go, honestly. Like, that's the other thing. Like, if you're like, all right, at 449 is a bridge too far, I'd ask you... Who, who would be your replacement? Because you look at the power forwards, it's fucking ugly. Like, it is gross. There's not a ton that you like there. Thaddeus Young is an unrestricted free agent, but he's also 34 fucking years old. Do you really want 34-year-old Thad Young? Torian Prince is a nice option, but I don't know. Is Torian Prince going to really do what you could see out of Bobby Portis? Montrez Harrell has a drug charge against him. No thank you. Marvin Bagley's a restricted free agent. Yeah, that would be interesting, right? But I don't know. Are you really going to pin your hopes on a guy who's been a bust so far? I'm not ready to say he's a bust because he's 23 years old. Like, there's a lot of room for Marvin Bagley to grow. But yeah, that's probably not going to happen. P.J. Tucker, again, we talked about him. He's old. I'm not giving P.J. Tucker three years, $30 million. Again, I've stated I'd rather give it to Bobby Portis. Chris Boucher. Decent player, right? Unrestricted free agent. Probably going to get paid. Probably going to get paid similarly to what Bobby Portis makes. And I think I'd rather have I'd rather have Bobby Portis. I want to say Bobby Boucher, right? Waterboy. But I'd rather have Bobby Portis, okay? Like, Chris Boucher is a nice defensive option. But I don't think I can rely on Chris Boucher to give me 10 to 15 points every now and again and provide the same energy that Bobby does. Jalen Smith, absolutely fucking not. Kevon Looney... Yeah, he stayed healthy this year, but I, there's no guarantee that Kevon Looney is going to be healthy for the rest, for the remainder, right? And what 
Let's say the Warriors don't want to run it back with him. Then that leaves us with Bobby Portis. So, I don't know, man. I don't think there's a lot of good options when it comes to power forwards. So that's where I look at it and I'm like, why the fuck? Why the fuck would you want to get rid of Bobby and it's worth paying him that money? So it's pro- I'm probably doing a topic for later this week because I know that I think I feel pretty good about Bobby signing. And if someone's like, well, Charlie, why don't we look at the centers? Well, if, we look, if we look at the centers, I think there are legit options there. But I look at those guys as more like a Brooke Lopez backup and a guy that could potentially be the next Brooke Lopez when his contract runs out. I agree with the push that Brooke Lopez isn't getting any younger. I don't think you should trade Brooke Lopez. I think Brooke's integral to what the Bucks do defensively. I think you can spot whether a, a fan is casual or not casual from knowing the value of Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is extremely valuable to what the Bucks do defensively. And what's really important is getting a guy in there who can kind of work with Brooke and understand what he has to do defensively. And then the Bucks can make a decision on whether to bring Brooke back next year. Because you look at a guy like Thomas Bryant, right? 24 years old. He's had a ton of injuries. But it, that's an to me, that's an interesting guy from like a potential potential option. Now, Zubak has a club option, so it's up to the Clippers. The Clippers could give, bring Zubak back. They should for $7 million. Like I would definitely do that. But if the Clippers decide not to, I think Zubak is very interesting uh, at 25 years old. I think Mo Bamba at 24, he's a restricted free agent, but it seems like the Magic are going to let Mo Bamba walk. I have no interest in bringing back Robin Lopez. Gorgie Dang is a little bit old. I, I haven't remembered a meaningful Gorgie Dang moment in a long time. I had no idea Ed Davis was still playing basketball. Hassan Whiteside, no thanks. Uh, I would imagine JaVale McGee comes back given his value. They provided the Phoenix Suns, but if the Suns cheapen out and don't bring back JaVale, that's an interesting option. Yusef Nurkic doesn't play any defense. I, I like Yusef Nurkic. I actually think Nurkic is an interesting dude, but it seems like he just posted a Photoshop of Durant in a Blazers jersey, so I'd imagine that Nurk is coming back to the Blazers. But yeah, I, I think the centers are more interesting than the power forwards. But I still think even if you're like, all right, we're going to sign Mobamba and get rid of Bobby, I, I still don't think that's the right option. Like I, I feel like you, you have to look at it. And is it really worth wasting your MLE, your mid-level exception for those who aren't familiar, on a center who might not play that much? I think it's more important to get a wing or a guard with that MLE and get a guy that can contribute right away. Now, there was rumors they might use it on the EuroLeague MVP, whose name I cannot pronounce. should probably get to that. It starts with a V. It's like Vusilush Radizic or something like that. It sounds like a complete mumble salad. Like, I sound like Paul Pierce. Um, and But, yeah, that's his name. And I would be pretty upset with that. Uh, that, to me, seems like too much of a risk. I'd rather get it on a guy who's been proven in the league. Uh, but John Horse is going to John Horse. And he likes to take swings when he can. And some of those swings work, and some of them are complete strikeouts. So see what happens, but I do not expect Bobby Portis to be gone from this team. I think Bobby is definitely going to resign. Last thing, Chuck's Corner. If you're unfamiliar, Chuck's Corner is kind of like our basically recap, or just not necessarily a recap, but uh, just lighter topics, stuff that isn't necessarily sports-related. Um Sometimes sports adjacent, but definitely stuff that's a little more lighthearted in nature. Just wanted to give a PSA to the people. 
even if you're a little old, even if you're washed, just do stuff in the summer, right? Like, don't just spend your summer hanging out inside. You have all fall and winter to do that. I, I was, you know, on Saturday, I looked like I didn't have any plans. Looked like I was just going to be in the house, which I was okay with. I was going to Brigham the next day. But, you know, then I texted my friends. was like, hey, I'm in town. I can pick you up. And he's like, yeah, sure. And we ended up going out. We had a great night. We ran into another another friend of ours, Henny. Shout out. And we, we had an awesome night. Like, it was a really fun just guys being dudes, chatting it up, just having, you know, nice conversation, a lot about sports. Like I said, couldn't have a podcast at the Nomad table we were at. Um, and it was great. Like, just crushing beers, having a good time. And not necessarily being too drunk, not being too wild. And, and really just, you know, hanging out, guys being dudes. And I think, like, summer is worth that, right? Like, I did Summerfest, I did a brewer game, went out in front. Like, I had a really fun fucking weekend. Now, my car also broke down, which isn't fun. I have to deal with that after I get done, done podcasting. But it was, it was such an awesome weekend. It just reminds you why summer in Milwaukee is so special and why you should take advantage of it. If you get invited to a brewer game, go. If you get invited to Summerfest, go, right? Like, I have a opportunity to maybe go see around the Jewels and uh, Reggie gets the machine in a couple weeks. And I'm like, I've been back and forth. I've been teetering about it. I've been really indecisive. But you know what? Why not, right? Why take? Why not take advantage of that? No, Grant, and it's not going to cost me a ton. So it's like, again, why not? I think that's, that's an ultimate theme of do you need your reprieve sometimes if you have a big weekend coming up? Sure. Sure, absolutely. Like, I have a bachelor party the end of Ju- July. Probably going to be in the house uh, that last weekend. Maybe go out for, like, a couple beers. But nothing serious, right? I don't need to, I don't need to throw all my eggs when I know I have an expensive weekend upcoming. That's, that's a little different, right? It's a little different when you have, like, a known expensive weekend coming up versus, like, all right, it's just a random weekend. And I also... I think the other thing is, like, I don't have a lot of friends who stay in town for 4th of July. So when I know that, it's like, all right, I have a feeling that I'll be, you know, kind of more around around the house, maybe more doing stuff with family. So why not? Why not do that? Why not check off a few few summer boxes? So that's just my PSA to the the good people. I had a good weekend because I said yes to a lot of things. Uh, So I recommend just saying yes. I know that sounds like Pinterest board, but it's true. Just say yes to things. And it, it'll be good. So quick, quick, quick Chuck's Corner, but a productive Chuck's Corner. Summerfest was good. It wasn't that crowded on Thursday. I was kind of surprised. I felt like first day you'd see a lot more people. Uh, but it was, you know, it was easy to walk around. I don't know if Saturday was crowded. Um, I'm not sure. I would just assume so. Um, it was, I would say it was a little light at the bars early, but it picked up. Like once it got to 11, 12 o'clock. Started to see a lot more people out in the streets and having fun. Then even Sunday, um, I went, you know, obviously took the shuttle, took a jack shuttle. And there were tons of people out, which I I don't understand. I don't get that. I don't know if that's just, I can't imagine every one of those people are in the service industry. I was thinking about that and like Sunday fun days, man, are thing of the past. Like we I had a few beers um, on Sunday. But like, and that's probably why I didn't tape the podcast last night because I was just tired. Like I was just like, ah, just had a long weekend. I need to get to bed. But I think for a Sunday, like fun day, you can only be about the ages of 
20, well, be earlier than 21 if you want to be like 19 or 20 and you're living in a college home, you know, in the summer working just some random, random job. You could probably be from like 20 to 27 before like Sunday fun days are like, all right, got to probably rein this in. But I probably look at this and say, all right, we can't necessarily do this anymore or do this on a consistent basis. And the nice thing is, I guess the thing about Sunday fun days is, and if you're not like working in the service industry and you, you, if you have Monday off, like, yeah, rip it up, like do whatever you got to do. But if you don't have Monday off, like you got to get home by six or five o'clock. Like once golf is over for the day, I know that's a crazy, like a line of demarcation, but once golf is over for the day, like, yeah, get home, you know, and whether it's taking a nap or it's eating something and then take, and then saying, all right, we're going to, we're going to sleep this off a little bit. Do what you got to do. But yeah, I, I think some, some Sunday fun days for the olds are a thing of the past. Like yeah, turning that up and then saying, all right, Monday, I get right back to work is a tough one. All right, that does it for today's show. We'll back tomorrow. Hopefully get it out early. Sorry that it's, I've been doing. We get into like, uh, I swear, like bad habits, right? Like I'll have like four or five days where it's like, all right, I have them out for my morning crew. And then I have like four or five days where I don't do it. And then I, it's like, We'll try to get back into the swing of things to try to get you guys podcasts in the morning. So you guys, so I, cause I know there's, I know we got a lot of morning guys out there. So try to do that better. Uh, but we'll, we'll work on that and we'll have a new show for you tomorrow. All right. See you. Bye.